All right. Well, um, good morning again. Um, if I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell, and I uh, get to be lead pastor here at Antioch, and just love worshiping with you guys. That was sweet this morning. Did you guys sense the presence of God here in the room? It's just so cool that he would come and meet with us, and it's an honor. I just never want to take these types of moments for granted when we get to worship in his name and exalt him and just sense him in the room. So, so, so cool. Um, a reminder, if you are brand new, um, we have these little connect cards. Fill that out and bring it to the next steps area after service. We'd love to meet you. And then just there's been several more new faces in the last few weeks. And so let me just give a little reminder of who we are before I get started on the message. We, um, we have this, uh, we have three core values. You might have seen it when you walk in, but we talk about it a lot. But it's love Jesus. Everybody say love Jesus. We love each other. Say love each other. And we live on mission. Say live on mission. And um, just want to remind you of just who we are and, in a sense, who we're becoming. We're, we're serious about being a follower or disciple of Jesus. Like, our relationship with God goes so farther beyond these walls, so f- much further beyond a service, an event, Christian events. We want to know Jesus. We want to love him. And it's hard to love someone without spending time with someone. So we'll talk a lot about getting in God's presence, spending time with him on a daily basis. But we also want to love each other. We're not just a bunch of individuals trying to follow Jesus. We are a family. The scripture is clear that that's, that's the way God designed it, is to be together as the household or the family of God, the church. And we want to learn how to have genuine and strong relationships with one another. The main way that we um, form those relationships is through life group. Everybody say life group. Raise your hand if you're in a life group. Come on, shout at me. All right, a lot of us are. It's okay if you haven't checked one out yet, um, but we're going to continue to encourage you to uh, start coming to life group because that's where you get to take, you know, a room this size and make it smaller with people in your same stage of life, get to know, build some friendships, and really learn to love each other. So I encourage you to try out life group. Then living on mission. Uh, you guys, how many of you guys were here last week, heard those testimonies from the folks that went to Tijuana? Wasn't that encouraging? Like, you know, 25 people up here just sharing how God met with them um, because they gave up a week of their uh, life or their calendar year to go to Tijuana and serve people in need. And that's, that's who we want to be. You know, it's not just about the mission trips that we go on once a year, but it's it's about living with purpose and intention and wanting to share your faith with others and invite people in. Because what we experienced this morning, guys, is the, the world is desperate for hope and life and freedom and joy and the exaltation. of. I mean, they don't even know it, but when we exalt Jesus and his presence come, oh, my goodness, there's so much desperation and hunger and need for that in a world that's searching for hope. And, and we carry that within us. And so everywhere we go, we want to bring that hope with us. Amen? Amen? All right, that's who we are. Okay, well, I'm going to start a new series this morning titled, By My Spirit, Says the Lord. So we're doing a little series um, on the Holy Spirit for the next six weeks or so. That little phrase that I just read to you guys kind of comes from Zechariah 4, uh, verse 6, where it says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So here's a little premise of this series we're jumping into. I just told you who we want to be, what kind of people we want to be, love Jesus, love each other, live on mission. If we want to be a disciple of Jesus and live a biblical life, we have to realize we cannot do it by our own power or might. We desperately need the Spirit of God. If you want to be one that overcomes sin in your life, it will not be by your own power or might. If you want to be a bold witness for Jesus and be effective in sharing your faith and making disciples, you cannot do it sustainably by, the, by your own power or wisdom or ability. 
if you want to shake off the lies and discouragement and anxieties and just all the heaviness that kind of comes by literally just living in this world, and instead you want to live in the life and joy and peace of Jesus, you can't do it in your own power and strength. But you can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can live victoriously. Acts 1.8. Some of you guys are familiar with this. One of our key scriptures here says in Acts 1.8 that you will receive power. Everybody say power. And now you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There is a power that is not our own. There is a might that is not our own, but it is the power of the Holy Spirit that we desperately need if we want to be a witness for him. Now, how do we be a witness for him? It's, yes, by sharing our faith boldly, but more than that, the lifestyle you're living is a testimony, is a witness, if it is very different than what you're seeing around you in the world. The freedom, the joy, the life in you is, di- is a witness to the world that something's different about you. But in order to live that way, the victorious life, we desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is so good, and again, we need him. Everybody say, we need him. We need the Holy Spirit. So this life of following Jesus is not one of trying our best in our own might and power, but it's one by the Spirit, says the Lord. So you guys ready to jump in? Talking about the Holy Spirit? You excited with me? I'm excited. Love the Holy Spirit. So we're going to take, uh, like I said, the next six weeks, talk about all sorts of things. The Bible t- uh, references about the Holy Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, power of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, walking with the Spirit, all these things and these phrases that are all over Scripture. We're going to look at those in the next few weeks. But let me actually, why don't you pull your phone out real quick? Some of you already have it. Uh, you can tell them. I'll, I'll call them later. But anyways, uh, you just pull your phone out real quick and go to your uh, uh, little picture app. We have, I think, a QR code up there on the screen. It's got, we've got a really, really helpful resource um, about the Holy Spirit. It is filled with a whole bunch of scriptures. I'm going to reference it a little bit this morning. Literally, it's just a resource that looks like this. I'm holding it in my hand. It's about two and a half, three pages, and it answers a lot of questions about the Holy Spirit. Who is he? Who, who, what is he not? And um, how does the Holy Spirit operate in my life? What's the evidence or fruit of the Holy Spirit? What's the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So very, very helpful resource that is very thorough, has a lot of scriptures, like I said, and um, for those of you that maybe the topic of who the Holy Spirit is is new and different, this would be a great starting point. It'll t- it won't take you too long to kind of flip through it, but it'll um, really begin to, I'd say, whet your appetite for the things of the Holy Spirit and be really, really helpful for you. And um, again, we'll be referencing that throughout this series. But if you've got a Bible with you, why don't you go ahead and turn to John chapter 14, John 14. We're going to spend the majority of our time in that chapter and then John 15 and John 16. So we'll be flipping through uh, those passages this morning, giving a little bit of an overview of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. Who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. Now, before I jump into John 14, let me just read a couple things from this resource that I just find helpful uh, about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a he because he is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's not just a mystical fog. You know, we don't have fog machines. That doesn't represent the Holy Spirit here. Um, not that they're just ultimately inherently wrong. It's just that that's, that's not how we try to say the Holy Spirit's here. Fog. Anyways, um, <laughs> if you grew up going to church with fog machines, it's fine. I promise. You're good. Your pastor's awesome, but we don't have fog machines. Uh, he's not just a good, the Holy Spirit is not just a, a good feeling uh, that makes meetings better. He is a holy, he's the holy 
spirit. He's holy. He seals us for salvation, according to Ephesians 1. He also empowers us to serve others and be a witness, according to Acts 1.8. He baptizes us. He fills us. He empowers us. He falls upon us. And again, we need him. And so we're going to look at several verses in John 14, 15, and 16 about the Holy Spirit. All right, you guys, John 14? Okay. Let's dive in here. We're going to start in verse 15 through 17. And a little quick comment on John 14 through 17. I guess you could say a little bit on, on 13. But these chapters, uh, you know, John was one of Jesus' disciples. In fact, one of the closest three. He walked, he walked very near to Jesus. And this uh, recording of these, these three chapters is, I think it's about two nights before Jesus was betrayed. And I think that's important because this is, it's a long, um, if you have a Bible with red letters when Jesus talks, it's a long passage of a bunch of red letters. And a couple nights before he's betrayed, he had some really important things to communicate to his disciples. You know, and so what is he saying? He knows he's about to be betrayed. He knows he's about to die. What did he see as something very important and very valuable to talk about before he died and left? And what you'll notice throughout these three chapters is he talks a lot about the coming Holy Spirit. And so it's important to know. So John 14, this is kind of where we first uh, see the mention, verse 15 through 17. Let's read it. It'll also be on the screen. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. The helper, the Holy Spirit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read these a couple different passages, and then I'm just going to pull out a couple little one-liners. But you see that first way that the Holy Spirit is described? The helper. Anybody besides me need a little bit of help <laughs> as you live in this life, yes? I just love how this is such a simple, but it is, it is like almost an all-encompassing description of the Holy Spirit. If you ever are in a time in your life where you feel like you need some help, guess what? You have the helper. As a follower of Jesus, his spirit lives inside of you. He is the helper. If you need help overcoming sin, if you need help taking captive negative thoughts, if you need help in a relationship, if you need help in your work, you have the helper, the Holy Spirit of God who is right there. Jesus promised he'll be with you forever. I think he's emphasizing that to his disciples because Jesus in bodily form was not going to be with them forever. But he said, I'm giving you the helper who will be with you forever, the Holy Spirit. He's a helper and he helps us. And that's so kind of God that he helps us. He's also described here in what I just read as the spirit of truth. Everybody say spirit of truth. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Yes, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Some of us have heard, you know, hey, you know, in regards to Christian doctrine and teaching, you need to kind of balance spirit and truth. Everybody ever heard that before? Well, it's not very right <laughs> because there, there is no, the spirit of God is truth. It's not like two competing things. It's like when the Holy Spirit's in the room and the Holy Spirit's working in your life and the Holy Spirit is bringing to light the word of God and helping you understand, he is truth. He is the spirit of truth, and when we're listening to him and submitting to him, following his conviction, his lead through, his wor through the word of God, we can have confidence that we're walking in the truth. He is the spirit of truth, which also kind of implies that there are other spirits that lead us away from truth or that are deceiving. The Bible talks a lot about deceiving spirits, 
And let me just comment on that. You don't, as a follower of Jesus, I would discourage you from trying to chase and trying to uncover and trying to find out all the deceiving spirits out there. (laughs) Just get really, really familiar with the spirit of truth. Get very familiar with the Holy Spirit. Get very familiar with when he speaks to you through the word of God that you're just taking it all in. Because it's like an overflow that you're going to grow in discernment on any spirit or teaching, I'll say, that is not the truth. Let's become really familiar with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. All right, let's skip down a little bit more to verse 25 of John 14. We see a couple other things about the Holy Spirit. Verse 25, he says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, everybody say helper. There it is again, he helps us. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So out of those couple verses, again, we see he's the helper. But look at that little line. It says, he, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Something that I love that the Holy Spirit does is he teaches us or reminds us of the words of Jesus. And it could be randomly as you're driving in your car, there's something that comes to your mind um, where literally God just reminds you of a scripture. But maybe even a little bit deeper, it's like when you're reading the Bible and you feel like you've, something finally clicked, like something finally made sense, that is the Holy Spirit teaching you. Another way to say that, he's giving you understanding of the words and the teachings of Jesus. Isn't that ama- it's so amazing? I'm so thankful that his spirit is with us and he helps us understand because there used to be a time in my life where I would like read the Bible or hear verses and I had no idea what it meant. There was like, there was no light bulb going on in my head. But then as I started following the Lord and as I was asking for the Holy Spirit in my life, I was reading scriptures I read like so many times. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that. This makes sense. I can actually finally apply this. This isn't just crazy foreign textbook world out here. This is like, wow, this is truth, and this is filling my soul. That is the teacher, the Holy Spirit, revealing the words and the teachings of Jesus to you, giving you understanding. Or as one uh, preacher says, living understanding of the word of God. It's amazing. And then lastly, you see that little promise connected to the Holy Spirit in verse 27. He says, peace, I leave with you. Man, the Holy Spirit, one of the things he loves to do is fill us with peace. In the midst of, you know, generations struggling the most with anxiety and restlessness, the Holy Spirit gives peace. Anybody needs more peace in your life? He gives peace. He gives comfort. And he says, I don't give as the world gives. Don't let your heart be afraid. You know, his peace, his comfort is stronger than fear. It's stronger than anxiety. His peace is real and it's powerful. And if you're in need of that, again, he's the helper. Ask him, Lord, I don't want to live in anxiety. It's okay. The Lord is so gracious if you're struggling. But don't, I'll, I'll just say, don't settle. Don't settle. Give it to him and ask him for the Spirit of God to give you peace. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, John 15 now. So if you need to turn the page, go ahead. It's on page 902 for me. Anyways, uh, John 15. Uh, just going to read verse 26 at the very end of John 15 says, when the helper, there it is again, he's the helper, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, there it is again, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Now remember, Jesus is talking here, and so what he's saying is that helper, 
The one sent from the Father will bear witness about Jesus. We'll unpack that a little bit more, but that's one of the things the Holy Spirit loves to do is just talk about Jesus, exalt Jesus, reveal Jesus, make Jesus feel and seem really amazing. So whenever you get that feeling in worship, I, I just, man, he's amazing. That is the Holy Spirit bearing witness about Jesus to you. Uh, chapter 16. This is where I'm going to camp out on this one for a little bit. Chapter 16, verse 7 through 11. Now, just let me remind you again, I really want to encourage you guys sometime this week. We might do it a little bit in life group, but just spend some time this week in John 14, 15, and 16. Throw in there 17. Kind of preached on John 17 a few weeks back, but just take some time camping out in here. It's a lot of great stuff. And remember, this is like right before Jesus was betrayed and crucified and died. He had some really important things to say. So we're just, I know we're just hopping along here, but just dive into it. encourage you. Okay, what did I say? John 16, what? Verse 7. 7 through 11 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now pause. I just do not want to skip over that. If you were one of the disciples of Jesus, walking with Jesus in person for three and a half years, and he were to say, it's better that I leave you. <laughs> I, I don't know. I would probably disagree. So, uh, Jesus, actually, <laughs> just can you just stay right here? Or just think about it right now. You know, if, if we saw Jesus in bodily form walking around, it would probably feel very important to us. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hopefully. You know, it might be a little creeped out and I don't know how to respond. But I'm just saying, like, it would, it would feel really important, really valuable. But what Jesus taught is actually it's better than I'm not walking around here in bodily form. It's better that I send you the Holy Spirit. It's to your advantage. Because Jesus, when he was walking on the earth, he was limited by time and space. The Spirit of God is not. When Jesus spoke while he was in bodily form, it was like one thing at a time <laughs> to one group of people that he was around. The Holy Spirit is, is not bound by time and space and people and location. So amazing. It's to our advantage that he sent the Spirit. Let's keep going. Verse 8. When he comes, he will convict. Everybody say convict. Convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So one of the things, and this is, again, who knows how long I'll talk about this except for, I guess, the Lord. But one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he convicts. He convicts. And I love the description that Jesus gives. There's three things that he says that the Holy Spirit convicts us of. He convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Now, those three things, there's a little one-liner in verse 9 about those three things and 10. But let me just show you something that I was thinking about. So I was meditating on this this week. There's a, there's a slide. I'll be up here. Here's why I think it's so important that Jesus mentions those things, because here is what the world does with those three things. The world waters down sin, it redefines righteousness, and it erases, quote-unquote, judgment. Let me talk about that for a second. I'm leave that up there for a minute. Waters down sin. Here's what the world does. The world says, or there's little thoughts that kind of come into our mind sometimes, is things like, man, is that thing really that bad? You know, there's not a specific verse I found that says word for word I shouldn't do blank. <laughs> or, you know what, come on. 
back off a little bit from that. Have a little more fun in your life. It's not that big of a deal. So the world is really good at watering down sin. You know what the Holy Spirit's really good at? Convicting us of sin. There's something inside of us that says, that's not right. <laughs> or, oh my goodness, I need to stop. Uh, let me give you an example of my life. Uh, I got saved at 17, and before that time, I was just trapped in sexual sin, just trapped in it, and lust, masturbation, pornography, all, the whole deal, and um, I kind of had this feeling like maybe it's not the best. I, for every reason, I felt like I should hide it, <laughs> and so that's usually a sign that something's not right, but I didn't know Jesus. The, the Holy Spirit was not working in me, <laughs> okay? Then I get saved at 17, and it really, it only took a few days when I started to feel something a little bit different when it came to that sin of sexual sin. I felt this thing that didn't just say, you know, it's kind of bad, you should probably hide it. There's this thing inside of me that said, oh, not only is this bad, is I better stop. <laughs> I need to stop. I cannot keep going this way. And that is a, that's the difference of the conviction of the Holy Spirit and just something that was like, you know, kind of more shame-based. The conviction of the Holy Spirit says, no, something needs to change. And I'm so thankful for his conviction, and, and I've unpacked this story in lots of different ways. Maybe I can do it again soon, but just the Lord took me on this journey of convicting me, turning me away from sin. I would fall, and then I would turn away. And a few months later, praise God for victory and freedom. And so it's been lots of years, about 17, 18 years since I've given in to that sin in my life. So praise God for his conviction. There is, there is conviction for all of us, and there's also freedom on the other side of that conviction. As we continue to submit our lives to him, and God is so gracious, he'll walk with us for as le- however long that we want to walk with him. But we need to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so just be, be on guard whenever you start to feel like something maybe is getting watered down in your heart or your mind about sin. Redefining righteousness. Let me talk about that for just a second. <clears throat> Pretty much what I mean by that is the world wants us to consider that there is another way to become righteous or right with God without the cross. If I just post enough things about the latest justice issue, I'm righteous. Or if I, if I just do enough good that outweighs my bad, then therefore I am righteous. Listen, guys, there is no other righteousness other than the blood of Jesus over your life. And coming to him, his cross, his finished work on the cross, and his resurrection, there is no other righteousness. Uh, at the end of 2 Corinthians 5, it says, uh, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's really, really good news. He is the only one that paid for our sin. There's no other way that we become righteous other than the blood of Jesus covering our sins. Amen? Be thankful for the blood of Jesus? And then lastly, I don't think you'll be too surprised by this, but what the world loves to do is erase judgment. What I mean by that is to tell us that there is no judgment to come. Thoughts like, well, if God's so good and so loving, how could he send people to hell? Or, you know what, there's not really accountability. That doesn't sound very nice. There's probably no accountability. But what the Holy Spirit does, and I love how these three play itself together, is he convicts us of sin. Something's wrong. We need to change. He gives us the solution, the righteousness that is only found in Jesus. And he also communicates that you need to take it seriously because if not, judgment is coming. And we will stand before the Lord one day. We will give an account of our life. And if the blood of Jesus has not washed us clean of our sin, then we're going to have to own up for ourselves. And that is not a, that's a scary place to end up. So the Holy Spirit, hopefully you see this, he is committed to these three things. The world is committed to 
uh, watering it down and redefining and erasing it. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. And so I'm hopeful this morning, some of my most memorable moments and encounters with the Holy Spirit has been him convicting me in my life and giving me an opportunity to see that there's something I need to turn away from. And guess what, guys? When we turn from sin, you know what's on the other side? Yes! Joy, life, freedom. Like, you get, you get chains broken off your life. Isn't that amazing? Anybody like walking around with chains all over you? <laughs> no! It's like, wow, when we turn and respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, there's life, there's freedom, there's joy, there's forgiveness, there's mercy. Woo! It's amazing. It's called the gospel. It's so good news. Such good news. And, uh, and so if you're feeling anything ever nudging you and saying, you need, to, you need to turn, you need to give this up, please respond today, this morning. If you feel a nudge, don't think, um, okay, I guess I don't really need to. I can kind of do this later. No, no, respond now. The best time to respond to the Holy, the Holy Spirit's conviction is now, as soon as he starts knocking on your heart. Amen. So respond this morning. We'll have some time to receive prayer if there's something the Holy Spirit's convicting you of. All right, but let's keep going. Uh, one more little passage in John 16, verse 12 through 15. Um, it just says, it says, still I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. I love that. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. There it is again. The Holy Spirit loves to do. He loves to glorify Jesus. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he, the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine and declare it to you. So he guides us into all truth. And again, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. So if you're ever wondering if something's of the Holy Spirit, just figure out if Jesus is being exalted in the midst of it. And if he is, then you can, you can bet the Holy Spirit's involved. Isn't that good stuff? John 14 through 17, or 16. Now let me, um, uh, there's two more things I want to mention before we um, have the band coming up and we respond. But just want you guys to also know, as we're doing a little bit of an overview of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has been around from the very, very beginning. Do you guys know that? This is not just like a brand new teaching that Jesus is giving in John 14, 15, 16. The Holy Spirit is all over the Bible, including the Old Testament, including verse 1 of the Bible. All right, And so I, I was thinking about, okay, where is he all throughout Scripture? Now let me read this to you because what you're going to find from Genesis to Revelation, the Holy Spirit is involved. Ready? So the Holy Spirit is the one hovering over the waters in Genesis chapter 1. The Holy Spirit is the Ruach or breath of God breathed into man when God created us in Genesis 2. The Holy Spirit came on leaders in the Old Testament to perform supernatural tasks. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit that filled the temple of God when Solomon dedicated it. And it says the servants of the Lord couldn't even fulfill their task because the Holy Spirit's presence was so strong. It was the Holy Spirit who was prophesied about in Isaiah 61 that would anoint the servant of the Lord, the one who would preach good news to the poor, bring sight to the blind, heal the brokenhearted, bring beauty from ashes, the oil of joy instead of heaviness, and so much more. And then the fullness of that prophecy being fulfilled was fulfilled in the life of Jesus. And it was the Holy Spirit who came in the form of a dove and rested on Jesus before he started his ministry. And then as he started his ministry, it was the power of the Spirit on Jesus' life that led to the dead being raised, the sick being healed, and demons being cast out. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who fell in powerful ways, like wind and fire at the day of Pentecost, and empowered the disciples to be a bold witness for Jesus. And it is the Holy Spirit who for the past 2,000 years has been guiding and strengthening his church. And when we worship together and sense the presence of God, it's the Holy Spirit here with us. Isn't that great? And guess what he's going to do? God's going to keep pouring out his spirit until every tribe, tongue, language, and people, nation have an opportunity to hear the gospel, and he fulfills his prophetic word that he will come again. 
He's going to keep moving. He's going to keep pouring out his spirit. So we need to be a people that love his spirit, that desire his spirit, that want more of the Holy Spirit. Anybody besides me thankful for the Holy Spirit? Oh, I love him. It's amazing. All right, two main things I want to wrap up with. And there will be, I kind of write, wrote these things down, so I think these are kind of response moments for us. And one, I already mentioned the conviction. If there's something the Holy Spirit's convicting you of, please respond this morning. But here's another thing. You do not, and I do not, need to be afraid of or cautious about the things of the Holy Spirit. That little one-liner's on the screen because I want you guys to remember this. You do not need to be afraid of or cautious about the Holy Spirit. You can keep that up there for a little bit. Now, I talked about his conviction. There, of course, there's an element of the fear of the Lord that we need to respond to that. But in regards to the broad topic of who the Holy Spirit is and what does he do and how is he involved in my life, how do I engage with him, you do not need to be afraid of him. Now, some of us, because of your upbringing, you know, you've heard different things related to teachings on the Holy Spirit that might have produced in you fear or caution. And, and in fact, let's just can you guys be honest just for a second? It would be helpful to know who's in the room, and I'm going to raise my hand. I'm part of this. But who, how many of you guys have ever heard, like, a teaching, read an article, listened to a podcast, or maybe upbringing where you kind of were, like, given this little sense of you need to be a little bit cautious of things of the Holy Spirit, especially gifts of the Spirit or anything? Anybody besides me? All right. So a lot of us at least have heard something. Okay, how many of you guys from birth, you were like, Holy Spirit's all over me and my family. Bring that anointing oil. Let's go. All right. Good, good. I know we got both. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't stand in worship. I always fall down. Let's go. <laughs> Holy Spirit's here, guys. Watch out. <laughs> all right. So I know we got a spectrum here, but I just, I just I want to acknowledge there's extreme ends you know, there's extreme ends. There's some that would teach things like, hey, you are not saved or you definitely have no work of the Holy Spirit in your life unless you speak in tongues. And that's the only thing that we're looking for has evidence that God's in your life. And that would be an extreme. There's also another extreme out here that says you need to watch out for things of the Holy Spirit. You need to be careful about all those char crazy charismatic people and tongues are from the devil. You know, you, there's these different ends, but if, you, if, if your source of truth about the Spirit of God comes from this, you will not land there. <laughs> He's a Spirit of truth that leads us and guides us in all truth. And every time the Spirit of God is talked about in Scripture, there is, there is like a resounding, yes, He's so good and so desirable. And so it's something that is just, I've heard this phrase before, but, you know, there's a narrow middle. And in regards to the things of the Holy Spirit, we're never going to go outside of what he is, how He's described in the Word of God. Never going to go outside of this. But have you read this? Because <laughs> all you guys are like, mmm, that's sound, Mitchell. Like, have you read this thing? Have you seen what the Holy Spirit does? I was reading in Acts 10 right before the Holy Spirit fell on uh, Cornelius' household. Some of you are familiar with this. It's Acts chapter 10. But just casually, it says, you know, Peter was in a trance one day. Trance. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. Let me do a teaching on trances okay i'm gonna do a teaching on the biblical form of trances and how the war <laughs> some of you are already freaked out but just i'm telling you this is acts chapter 10 and i'm like how did you just say that so normally man what the what on earth is a trance <laughs> anyways um and you know it's like peter's shadow is healing people i'm like oh, you know you know some of us i heard uh, somebody say this recently it's like when i grew up the book of Acts was kind of glued together. We didn't reread really that one. <laughs> I was like, all right. That's, I mean, that's, 
It's a great, I mean, yeah. But here's, again, we don't need to be afraid. God is a good father, and he gives good gifts to his children. Here's what Luke 11 says. It says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are, <laughs> who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's such a good father. He's only, he only ever has great intentions for you. If you're asking him for the real thing, if you're asking him for the Holy Spirit in your life to come and take over, to fill you, you don't have to be afraid that you're going to get a, uh, you know, uh, a rock or a scorpion or a snake instead. He's going to give you something good. He's a good, good father. All right, last thing or second thing I wanted to highlight here in regards to this kind of overview of the Holy Spirit is this. it will be a little line on, on the screen. The true evidence of genuine encounters with the Holy Spirit, dot, dot, dot. I want you to think about it before I tell you. The truest evidence of genuine encounters with the Holy Spirit. Some of you are nervous with what I'm about to say as the answer. Think I'm just going to go off in tongues, don't you? All right, you can put the answer up there. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit literally means the evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. The fruit of it. Okay, if you've got an apple tree, it's going to produce apples. If you've got an orange tree, it's going to produce oranges. It's, it's like the, the nature of what something is, that's the fruit of it. If the Spirit of God is at work in your life, you're going to see the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, Galatians um, 5 mentions it. It has all, um, mentions nine things. I don't think that this is, this is a great start. You can put, uh, I don't, or the slide that has all the nine fruit of the Spirit on there. Okay, it's, it's maybe not comprehensive because there's other fruits or evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, like humility is not on there, or purity, you know, that kind of stuff, meekness. But, man, if you want to know that the Spirit of God is working in my life, then think about where am I seeing love, love for Jesus. I mean, that, that, look, the first one covers a lot, love for Jesus. We just read earlier in John 14, if, if we love him, we'll obey his commands. So just with the first fruit of the Spirit, just think of amazing obedience to Jesus. Think of rejecting all sin in your life. Yeah, that's the fruit of the Spirit of love. If, if we're encountering the Holy Spirit in powerful ways, then there should be this evidence that we are loving Jesus more than we're loving sin. We're, we want him more than we want the things of the world. That is, that is the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Spirit. We're loving him and we're loving people well. Hey, we're, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's kindness, there's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And, you know, I'm going to, over the next several weeks, I'm going to unpack different elements that the Bible talks about in regards to the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. I will talk about tongues. I'll talk about prophecy. I'll talk about healing and all these different things that are in there that, yes, are works of the Holy Spirit. But here's the commitment, and, I, and I'm intentional with mentioning this first, is I am great with any wild encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because remember, it's like we're not going to leave anything in this book, okay? But there's a lot of wild things in here, all right? And so I'm great with you getting knocked out under the power of God. I'm great with you rolling around and laughing and being filled with joy. I'm great with you speaking in tongues. I'm great with whatever. But if you get on that floor because of the power of the Holy Spirit, what we're looking at is how are you going to get up from that floor? Are you going to walk more like this? 
and this was something that was very helpful for me as I was kind of thrown into environments where the Spirit of God is just active and people are responding in dramatic ways. And it's like so easy to kind of like, because it's new or because I've never seen that before, to like judge and critique. But God's really helped me. It's like, man, pray, let him, let the Holy Spirit come. Let him take over. And like, if you can imagine the Spirit of God filling this house, we might respond in significant ways. Like if his Spirit is real and alive, it's like, then we would be changed. There would be something happening to us. And it's all over Scripture. But again, it's like, how are we leaving this place? How are we leaving those encounters? And we want to be, we fill with more of this. Amen? Amen. And just remember, keep that up there just a little bit longer, that these fruit of the Spirit, it is not a, you know, walking out in our own power and might, gritting our teeth to be loving. Gritting your teeth to be patient. Gritting your teeth, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be gentle today. <laughs> Nobody say something that frustrates me because I'm going to be gentle. <laughs> Let me try real hard. It is, it is, this, this comes from living a life yielding and surrendering to the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite prayers often, especially when I'm tempted to operate not in the fruit of the Spirit, is, God, I can't, but you can. I can't, in my own power, respond graciously to my child who's just in a spirit of rebellion right now. <laughs> I can't, but you in me can. So help, helper, help me, helper, fill me, flow through me. In the times where I make space to do that, where I usually, I'm like, Beth, here's this child. I don't want to do something bad. Please take this child. I need to go away. <laughs> so I go to our room, shut the door, get in our closet. I'm on the floor. Help! God, help me. I don't want to blow up or I don't want to respond and whatever. And I'm imperfect, but the times where I do that and I get on my face and I say, I can't, but you can flow through me. I am changed, and that kind of stuff starts coming out of me more. And be, and be um, like, boast in, your weak, like, boast in your inability to do this on your own. Boast in it. Like, I am so glad I have to do that sometimes <laughs> because, like, I don't want to have this. Of course, I want to continually walk full of the Holy Spirit, but the Lord, you know, he's pleased when we acknowledge we need him, you know. And so let's be a people that acknowledge we need him and let the Spirit of God flow through our life. All right, band, you guys can go ahead and come on up. And we're going to respond this morning for a few minutes. And let me just close by kind of sharing a little bit more of my heart of why we're doing this series for the next several weeks. And um, in short, it's like the Holy Spirit's been convicting me and really speaking to me about how I may have underestimated how crucial and how important my encounters with the Holy Spirit were early on in my walk with God in regards to how it related to my spiritual growth or formation. And, you know, we talk a lot about being a genuine disciple of Jesus here. We talk a lot about it. And how do we actually cultivate a real walk with God that goes way beyond, you know, this, these church services. And where we talk about not being a victim of sin, but living in victory over sin. And again, we cannot, just the Lord is misconvicting me, you can't live that way if you're just trying real hard in your own power and strength. And as I've been walking with people in discipleship and listening to people, trying to live lives of obedience to Jesus, trying to overcome sin, trying to turn, I just, I feel this conviction that, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want to assume that we all are like hungering for and have had encounters with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) 
there were, there were some really powerful and significant moments that happened in my first year of walking with the Lord of a, a dramatic physical healing that happened to me. Some of you are like doubt, you know, when you hear a testimony of healing. Yeah, did that really happen? Were you even hurt? Well, when it happens to you, <laughs> it's kind of hard to not believe. And I've, my ankle was jacked up because I, I rolled it or fractured it playing basketball. And three days later, I'm jumping on it because someone prayed over me. I'm like, well, I guess he heals. <laughs> you know, that was very significant. You know, there's gifts of the Holy Spirit, like tongues or different uh, healings or things like just prophetic words that were given to me that just really marked me in my early years. You know, I've been knocked to the ground by God's power. There's times, a few times, you know, it's not every day, just by the way, you know, 18-ish years of following Jesus, I've got a handful of these stories and these moments, you know, where I'm, I'm just weeping under the conviction of the Holy Spirit or really also the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And I just feel like, man, I don't, as your pastor, I do not want any of you to miss out on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just don't want us to underestimate how significant and how crucial it is that we know him, experience him, have moments with him that we can look back on, you know, years from now and say, the Lord marked me there. His spirit fell on me there. I know he did. And I just want us to be a people that are, are hungry for him. Amen? That want him. All right, let's stand to our feet. All right, so there's a couple things. Leader, uh, life group leaders, why don't you all come on down? Um, you can make yourself available. Um, you don't have to go to the corners. You can also come right here to the front um, as well. But we'd like to close out our services here just with a time to respond to the Lord. And again, it's, I mentioned this a few times, but you know, if you feel the Lord just touching you, especially if he's convicting you of something to maybe repent of or, or come clean with or bring to the light, maybe there's some compromises been going on lately if you're just like, eh, maybe it's not that bad. It's like, no, respond today. Let today be a day where you respond right now. And, you know, guys, come to another guy and receive some prayer. Girls, come to a girl. These folks are here want to pray for you. But there's two other things um, that I want to just be beyond the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Two other things. One is, you know, if any of you feel that, that caution or maybe that fear of the things of the Holy Spirit and you want to get that removed from your life, you don't want to, like, be afraid of the things of the Holy Spirit, then we want to pray for you this morning. Because uh, that is not the Holy Spirit. That's the spirit of fear. And he wants you to have confidence that if you're asking the Lord for a good thing, he's going he's gonna to give you a good thing. So that's one. And then secondly, kind of that second thing I mentioned, if you're looking at that list of the fruit of the Spirit, or maybe you're one of those that grew up and you were just wild with the things of the Spirit, but you know as you look at the fruit of the Spirit that, oh, my goodness, I am not very gentle. <laughs> uh, then come forward and just receive some prayer for breakthrough. We're going to believe the Holy Spirit is going to touch you this morning and give you some grace in that area. Amen. Uh, let me pray for us, and then as I start praying, if you want some prayer, I encourage anybody and everybody that wants prayer, come on forward and get some prayer from somebody. So as I start praying, y'all come forward. So Lord, we just thank you that you're here in this room with us. And Holy Spirit, we just invite more of your presence. We want to be sensitive and aware that you're in this room with us. And Lord, I just ask that you would convict us, that you would put, take fear off of us, Lord, I pray that you would awaken in us this trust in you, that you are a good father and you give good gifts to your children. And I pray we'll be a people that see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So come and mark us this morning as we respond. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name.